Backstories is an annual multi-sited storytelling festival located in the suburbs of Perth and beyond. Produced by the team at Centre for Stories, Backstories gives community members the chance to spend an afternoon with friends and family in the comfort of a neighbour's backyard and enjoy hearing local music and stories from trained storytellers. Backstories was possible with generous support from our sponsors, Lottery West, the Department of Local Government, Sport and Cultural Industries, and the Centre for Stories Founders Circle. This is a live recording of our Backstories event located in the suburb of Inglewood. Recorded on the 27th of March 2021, this afternoon featured live music from Sophie Cruz and emceeing from Annabelle Smith. The story you're about to hear is from Andrew. Kaya. Um, so I was diagnosed HIV positive um, more than six years ago now, and it was very hard. Uh, many people may not know too much about it, um, and for me, when I was diagnosed, um, I didn't know anyone living with HIV. Uh, for many years after, actually, I didn't know anyone living with the illness. And most of my media around HIV was um, holding the man Philadelphia, uh, remnants from the AIDS epidemic. So when I was diagnosed, it felt quite catastrophic. And a lot of the shame and stigma that you feel uh, is not just within the broader community, it's also within the gay community, you know. Um, to compound, I guess, that, that um, part of my life, I was also living in Singapore um, for about five years up to my diagnosis. I lived and worked there. And unfortunately, the laws in Singapore uh, prohibit foreigners from having any foreigners with HIV from having any permanent residence there. So I essentially was also deported and lost my home at the time. So I came back to Australia to live with my parents. Um, yeah, and so I guess I'm just setting the scene to say that at this time in my life, I was very lost and kind of set a bit adrift. Um, and I think as happens when something quite large like that uh, takes place, I very, you know, very soon after moving back to Perth, I met someone uh, on Grindr and fell in love really quickly. Um, so he and I, yeah, we met just as a hookup on Grindr and he was such a jock, right? Like just this hunk. Um, and obviously we fucked on a massage table in his apartment because I don't know, you know, like why wouldn't you? And, um, and I think being very lost at the time, um, I just fell kind of head over heels, you know, maybe without much substance, but I just knew that I wanted him, that stability, um, that desire for him. Um, I didn't disclose my status, though. And uh, brief update, um, you are not required by law in WA to disclose your HIV status as long as you know that you are taking best possible care of that other person. But I will say from my experiences through life that with a romantic partner, the longer that you wait, uh, probably the harder, it, the harder it is for you and the harder it is for them to take, yeah. Um, but I felt just looking at him, I didn't think that he would accept me, so I didn't say anything. He was um, 
here in Perth living on a temporary visa, he was a worker. He told me that he was a misuse. Um, I think maybe I also had a misplaced kind of, kind of kinship, like sense of kinship for him, you know, on, on this temporary visa status because I had just been through this experience where I had lost where I was, you know, my chosen place of residence and I had to return home. Um, it kind of became apparent as we saw each other more that he wasn't really a misuse. He was a sex worker and a methamphetamine dealer, which neither of which I'm very judgmental of, um, but I only bring it up because those things threw up quite um, difficult emotional blocks in the forming of a relationship. You know, he could be very, very unavailable. Um, you know, he could make things really difficult. Sometimes I'd get in his car, we'd go for a drive. He'd say, oh, I'm just like, I've just got to stop off somewhere for five minutes and then we'll go. And then I'm sitting in a pitch dark driveway for two hours, just like waiting, hoping that he comes out again. Um, I mean, it wasn't all bad. <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't know, like um, he would only ever eat at that Taiwanese like cafe restaurant in Northridge, you know, Formosa. I think it's still there. We'd only eat there. I fucking hate it there. <laughs> like, I can't walk past it now without being like, no. Um, and like, you know, we, one time we were driving and, and he just gave me the stupidest smile and he was like, hey, look, I'm an Australian. And he just wound down the window and shouted, fucking cunt. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Very Australian masculine. Um, so it was, a, it was quite an on-off. Um, relationship because of that unavailability that he had. But I think the longer it went on, the more that I felt that I wanted him, I wanted more. I kind of wanted this, I don't know, like intimacy and togetherness. Um, at a certain point, maybe after a year, I think this was around the time that the Supreme Court in Taiwan um, mandated same-sex marriage in Taiwan. And this was before the plebiscite had kind of started here in Australia. Um, he brought it up to me and he said, well, why don't you come back to Taiwan with me? We can get married. Um, and in my heart, I, I think I wanted to, but I knew that that wouldn't be a possibility. Um, Taiwan has the same or similar laws to Singapore about residence. So I knew that I would not be able to take any residence there. Um, and also, you know, like my life had just been uprooted and put back here. I didn't think that I had the strength to start again somewhere else. Um, and what would I do? You know, like my Mandarin is quite bad. Um, yeah, so, but I didn't say anything because I think, you know, like I wanted it. I wanted it to keep going, whatever this was, even though it was so broken and strange, I just desired him so much. Um, it got to then... He finally made the plan to, to move home. Uh, his visa was running out. He didn't want to extend. I don't think he actually liked it here uh, very much. And so he chose to go back to Taiwan. Um, and on the last night that we saw each other, that we spent together, um, we actually we hadn't seen each other for, for a few weeks beforehand. And then we had this kind of last night. And then we had sex. And then afterwards... I finally told him that after like more than a year of seeing each other, I told him that the reason that I couldn't go, that I wouldn't be able to follow him later was because of this thing, because of HIV. Um, and he 
said that he had already guessed. Um, he just he th- he said that he'd guessed as much, and then he said that he was positive as well, which I hadn't I hadn't guessed. I had no idea, and I don't know. I felt this. I like maybe this huge sense of like unfairness that it was so jarring that that like all this time and all this like emotional distance between us and there actually shouldn't have been, you know, like all that wasted time that I had spent not telling him about this and that I didn't know about him either. Um, and so I said something to him like, well, I mean, that we're alike. We are, we're the same. And he held me and he said, no, um, you probably got it because you know, you were a slut and you couldn't be careful. Uh, I got it because I loved someone and he tricked me. So we're not the same. And I think I just said, I, I don't know. And I remember like really clearly that feeling of lying in the bed and holding someone really, really close to you and just like thinking that, you know, like this should be intimacy, right? This should be kinship. We now know all these secrets that we had from each other. But I had never felt more, I think, alone than then, like more locked within my own body than in that moment. And then after that, um, that was it. So he, he left, he went back home. Um, occasionally, I will check his, you know, photos on Facebook, see that he's alive, doing very well. Um, But I think it kind of put, I guess, a lot of issues around disclosure and living openly with yourself in perspective for me. And it's still, you know, been widening circles for a few years. But, um, you know, I think actually it took COVID really, like COVID lockdown for me to finally have something break and then to start... Um, you know, like writing and living and performing and existing as purely publicly HIV positive. Um, But yeah, thanks very much. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Centre for Stories is a not-for-profit organisation with charitable status. Our team is small and nimble and we love what we do. To help us continue doing what we love, consider a small donation. You can donate at centerforstories.com.